Hey everybody, welcome back to a Rocky Star Podcast. I'm Brian Argot. On a Rocky Star Podcast, I bring on guests from all around sports to talk about their journey to sports. And today I am talking to the Chief Sports Angle Anchor. Hey everybody, welcome back to a Rocky Star Podcast. I'm Brian Argot on a Rocky Star Podcast. I bring on guests from all around sports to talk about their journey to sports. And today I am talking with the chief sports anchor over at Fox LA, Kyle Kraska. He's been over there for about a year now before he spent 22 years down in San Diego covering San Diego sports. He's a six time Emmy award winning sports anchor. This guy is big time. I really love his story. He takes us on a ride here in the interview. And he also is a part-time pilot. So he's not only uh, taking us on a ride here, but he also goes on his own rides. I really love his story on how he actually became a pilot. <laughs> it's really uh, fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun with this interview and I hope you guys do as well. Enjoy the episode with Kyle Kraska. How's your day going? Uh, it's busy as heck. <clears throat> Got a lot of things going on. You know, we're gearing up for the All-Star game on Tuesday. So we have a lot of preparation that we're doing and uh, we've got a pregame show we're doing on Tuesday, myself and uh, Steve Garvey. We've got a two hour postgame show. Um, we got a lot going on. So it's, uh, it's good, man. It's good. Yeah. Now the all-star game, I can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, who are you, uh, who are you looking forward to most seeing or covering in the all-star game or the home run derby? That fact, are you covering that? Um, yeah yeah we'll be covering I'll, I'll be there every day uh let's see who am i most looking forward to um probably i you know i haven't had a lot of opportunities to to see shohei uh yeah. in person you know i've seen him a million times on tv but it's just a long haul to get down there to anaheim from here so i'm looking forward to seeing him at the all-star game and him interacting and you know, we're still waiting for the final participant for the home run derby. So I'm hopeful that maybe, maybe it's him, you know, we're not sure who that eighth guy is going to be. So hopefully we find that out uh, soon and it'd be cool if it was him. But um, other than that, I've, I've interacted with most of the guys. So I, you know what, I actually haven't, um, I haven't interacted with, with Aaron judge at all. So uh, oh. that would be cool. Even though I'm not a Yankee fan. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You know, being from from originally from Massachusetts, I'm not a Yankee fan, but I, you know, <laughs> just, just his stature and everything. Just want to see, you know, standing next to him, how massive he is. Yeah, does that make you a Sox fan? Or yes, it, yeah, I, I don't I don't advertise that, uh, <laughs> but uh, especially here in LA, but, uh, I grew up a Sox fan, so you know, when, when that's in your blood, it kind of sticks with you. That's why Mookie, I've always, I really enjoyed covering Mookie here because obviously his career started in in Boston. So that's cool. Yeah, that was definitely, man. And I've got, I know you've been in LA for what, almost a, a year now or no, almost your one year anniversary here. And, and uh, man, I mean, yeah, it's been, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was September 1st. I started here. So it's, it'll be 11 coming up on 11 months. Um, you know, uh, I think, you know, I was, I was in San Diego for 22 years. And before that I was in LA before. So I, this is my second tour of duty with LA. So um, it's like, you know, kind of coming back home again a little bit and uh, but it's been cool. It's been really, it's been, there's been so much to cover since I've been here. So it's been great. Yeah. And I want to get into that. So I'll dive right in from there, man. 
what was what was that like? Because I, I know when you first you mentioned you first started off in LA, you were covering uh, a cover. You were interviewing celebrities. What was that like? <laughs> um, that was cool. You know, it was different. Uh, <laughs> my first time when I showed up in Los Angeles, I had done exclusively sports for my entire career to that point. And so when I was asked to come to LA, it was more in a role of uh, anchoring news and like you said, entertaining entertainment. And uh, I hosted a, a morning show for CBS and uh, it was great because every day we were bringing in celebrities onto that show and interviewing them, whether they were in a TV show or movies or whatever it may be. So that was different. It was, uh, it was completely different than what I had done to that point. And uh, it, um, you know, it opened my eyes a lot to, to Hollywood and what's important here in Los Angeles. And obviously <laughs> the entertainment scene and the celebrity scene here is uh, unlike anything else on earth. So while I had spent most of my time just interviewing, you know, all the greatest uh, athletes on the planet, now it was, uh, now it was different and, and it was cool. But I uh, certainly my wheelhouse is sports and I'm really glad that uh, I decided eventually to move back that way. Oh yeah. No, and that's what I want to talk about. You know, it's like, it was really interesting because I mean uh, you've spent a long time in sports. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, 23 years in San Diego and a year here in LA again, uh, working sports, man. I mean, God, it's, <laughs> I mean, you have a remarkable resume and uh, I want to kind of go back uh, to where, how, how you got, got started in sports. You went to Syracuse university uh, but before you even got Syracuse, what made you want to get involved in sports? Well, I think like a lot of people that eventually end up in sports broadcasting for their career, it's because they grew up loving sports, right? And and I'm no different than that. As a kid growing up, I played every sport, loved baseball, uh, fell in love with it when I was just a kid and played baseball and basketball and football and all of that, you know, and uh, wouldn't it be great if we could all make a living out of becoming a professional athlete but for most of us that's not going to happen and then you realize well maybe the next best thing is to you know become a broadcaster and be attached to sports and what a life you imagine just uh, being able to watch games and and interview athletes um it's you know it's a dream come true for for many and that was the same path that i took and syracuse was a great place to to begin that journey and my first job I was uh, a senior at Syracuse and I heard about a, a weekend sports anchor opening up in upstate New York in Watertown, right on the Canadian border. Oh, and, wow. um, you know, I was excited about that. I was, like I said, still a senior uh, in college, but I applied for the job. I, I actually went up to Watertown and uh, they put me on their set and gave me an audition. And a couple of days later, they called me and said that, that I got the job and I couldn't believe it. And then I said to them, well, did, I think I may have failed to mention I'm still going to school. I'm still a senior at Syracuse. Is that going to be OK? And they said, yeah, sure, sure. So I found myself my final semester at Syracuse uh, going to classes Monday through Friday and then driving up Friday night to Watertown and then anchoring the weekend sports there Saturday and Sunday. And that's where I got my feet wet in in the industry. And it was cool to still be in school and have that burden of, you know, my next job and where am I going to be working um, done with. I didn't have to really think about that as graduation approached. And, and then I continued working in Watertown for another year beyond that before, you know, my journey took me elsewhere. But uh, it was a great start and 
you know, great opportunity in a very small market um, in covering a lot of high school sports and covering uh, rookie baseball in the Watertown Pirates and the Watertown Indians. But it was a, a great way to begin. And, and thankfully, uh, my uh, career was off and going. Well, what was uh, what kind of challenges challenges did you face in broadcasting to begin with in your career? Well, you know, I think for anyone, you know, the challenges when you begin uh, in front of the camera is, you know, developing who you are as a personality and, um, you know, just trying to get as, as good as you possibly can, as fast as you possibly can, especially when you're right out of college and you're just trying to, you know, figure out who, who am I as a broadcaster. Uh, and the challenges you have when you start in a small market like that is, um, is you are a one-man band. You are doing everything. Uh, you are you know, writing your material, you're editing your, your video, you are, you're doing it all. You know, you're putting in your own scores and graphics and all of that stuff. So not only are you trying to look and sound good on camera, but you've got all of the production elements that you've got to try to make sure are going well also. And then you get yourself in front of the camera and you may be just scrambling to get out there and you're trying to make it all come together and, and look as good and as professional as you possibly can. And uh, of course, you know, when, when you're right out of college and you're 21 or 22 years old, you probably looked that. For me, I actually looked like I was about 14 years old. So that was a challenge. You know, people say, you old enough to be doing this job? So um, there's a lot of challenges in the beginning and you're seeking out uh, you know, advice from others and you're sending off your, your reels to, to professionals and asking them, can you please take a look at this? And, you know, am I on the right track? Am I doing okay? And hopefully you are. And you just work really hard at it and watch yourself over and over again and, and try to get better and uh, hopefully get yourself ready for the next step. Yeah, you, you met a lot of uh, great other sports personalities along the way. Who's uh, been one of your favorites that you met? One of my favorites? Wow, that's, that's a really hard question to answer, um, as know. is the question that I also get the question, you know, who's the favorite, you know, your favorite person, your favorite athlete you, you've ever interviewed? And it's like, well, geez, after doing it for several decades <laughs> now, the list is so incredibly long uh, on, on both of those uh you know, questions, uh, I, I, you don't even know where to begin. Um, you know, interestingly, I, I went to school with Mike Tirico. Um, oh, wow. we, were class, we were classmates at Syracuse. And, um, you know, Mike back then, even at Syracuse, you know, he was a prodigy. Like everyone knew it. Everyone could see it. Everyone could see like Mike in college when Mike was a, was a sophomore and a junior. You could just see it like that. Yeah. This guy just has a, has a gift. And through the years um, to have watched Mike grow and, you know, his first gig was weekend sports at channel three in Syracuse. And he was still in college when he was doing that and to see him grow and go to ESPN and, um, and then from there move on. And now to be the guy at NBC um, has been a real joy. And, and the times that he and I have, have spoken um, or gotten together, you know, and, and talked about that, that journey, you know, I'm so proud of him and so proud to know him. So, you know, Mike will always be one of my favorite sports journalists, just because I've, I've seen his development from when we were in college. And that's been really awesome. So um, I think I'm, I'm going to answer it with that. But you know, I've, I've been blessed to meet I mean, I, I, I can't think of anyone I haven't met in this broadcast <laughs> industry, you know, the, 
most recently Vin Scully, um, yeah. a hero of mine. And when I came to Los Angeles, Vin was so kind to, as to call me and welcome me back to LA and wish me the best in, in my new mm. endeavor here. And that is a phone call um, that thankfully I recorded uh, with his permission. <laughs> and um, it is something I cherish and will always cherish because Vin Scully is such a treasure. Oh man. Wow. What, that, that's a, that's awesome, man. I mean, God, that guy's the charisma of Vin Scully, you know, yeah. goes, uh, I mean, you know, a ways and to get a personal call from him. Dang, man. That's, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah. That was, um, that was one of those, you know, pinch me moments in, in my <laughs> life and to still be able to have those after being in the industry for so long is so great. And, and to take it one step further now, Joe Davis, who is the voice of Dodger baseball, he um, took over when Vin retired after the 2016 season. And now knowing Joe Davis and Joe recently being appointed as the new voice of baseball on Fox because Joe Buck has moved on to ESPN. Um, And just recently I I chatted with Joe and we sat down and did a nice long one-on-one interview about him calling the all-star game coming up on Tuesday uh, to know him and to, to see, you know, his appointment and how delighted and, and how humbled he is by that assignment, not only a taking over after Vin Scully, but now, um, you know, following Joe Buck on Fox. Uh, it's really cool. It's really cool to see, to see that legacy continue. And, and by the way, to such a nice guy, Joe Davis is a, a wonderful human being. Oh yeah. He, he's fantastic. And um, I, I was really sad when Buck, left i i knew as soon as he signed that deal to going over to uh with uh joining aikman i re- rejoining aikman uh it was like i was really sad because they meant he wasn't going to be calling baseball anymore i was like everyone i mean obviously the football thing was was there but i was like i knew baseball i was like oh my god i've been listening to buck for 20 years and he's not gonna be there no more but now that davis is there it's a he, he's a good he's a great voice to fill those shoes in buck yeah, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you 100%. And you're right. I mean, Joe's been that voice, um, both NFL and MLB for over two decades. Um, but to see a guy like Joe get it so deservingly and also someone so talented and uh, so humbled, um, I think I think Fox is in good hands. Yeah, no, 100% agree. Uh, and I mean, yourself, man, you, not only are you talking about uh, remarkable careers, but uh, You've had a remarkable career yourself, long, and uh, you know you have a lot of awards, including uh, six Emmys. What was it like to get your first Emmy? <laughs> oh, my first one was the best one. There's no doubt. Yeah, um, the first one is the best one. Uh, a because I guess in some ways it it, um, it it gives you a sense of accomplishment that okay, in in, in a weird way you think oh okay I belong here you know like all right. <laughs> When you're recognized by by your peers, you say, "Okay, um, I'm do I'm do, doing okay. I'm doing okay <laughs> in this in this industry." So it kind of gives you that that seal that that feeling of of um, um, accomplishment, self accomplishment. That one, and it's funny because that one was a long time ago. Uh, that was 1994, I think. I hate to date myself, but that was a long time ago. And the cool thing about that one was that. Um, I was working in Albany, New York, and Albany is, you know, a medium-sized television market. It's a great place to live. It's between New York and Boston, and um, I was able to cover, you know, all of those great sports there. 
Um, but that one was uh, because of coverage I did on the Lillehammer Olympics, the 1992 Lillehammer Olympics. So is it, was it, it was 94. Yeah. I'm trying to make sure I got my date right. And, um, and it was so cool because um, it was called Olympics Kyle style. And I basically did every Olympic sport. Like I went up to Lake Placid where the U S Olympic team trains and I got a chance to skate with the U S Olympic team. And I got a chance to um, do the biathlon and, and do the luge. I went down the luge run and stuff uh, only halfway, by the way, I didn't go to the very top. because it was <laughs> fast. But I get to do all those things. And we did this crazy, like 30 part series uh, leading up to the Olympics. And I think that was the last Olympics that CBS had before NBC took over after that. And, um, and the thing about that is Albany, even though it's a, a kind of a medium sized market, it's lumped in with the New York City uh, market and all those television stations. So I, when I was nominated, I thought, this is amazing, but th this is as far as it'll go. And then we went to the Copacabana in New York and you're up against, you know, all those, you know, this is the number one media market, New York City. And you're looking at all these incredible people and you're thinking, OK, there's no chance, there's zero chance I'm going to win. But it's just really cool to be here amongst these great, talented people that one day maybe I'll get a chance to work with. And wouldn't you know it, they they said my name and I almost passed out. So um, <laughs> it was an incredible, incredible moment, uh, great thrill. And it was early on in my career. And um, I, I still have that Emmy trophy on my on my uh, mantle. And it's the one I'm most proud of. I, I would hope that you have all six of them still. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. I just, my point being is that one's so old. And quite frankly, it's a little tarnished. And it has shown signs of wear and all the moves I've made throughout my career. So it's, it's, it's you know, it looks, it looks as old as it is. Um, and it's, but it's still in one piece, which, uh, which is, which is really cool, but yeah, it's, um, and it looks different. The, the newer ones, they're a little bit bigger there. There's a bigger uh, base to them. So that one, uh, is like, has a rectangular base. It looks different and it looks a little odd next to the other five, but, um, it's one that, uh, I, I will always hold very dear to my heart. No, man, I, I bet, man. I mean, getting nominated for one, winning one, I mean, Two different things that you know you hear people get nominated all the time for certain ones but to win one get six i mean that's awesome man i mean you're like the you know sort of michael jordan there <laughs> getting six yeah. i mean there, there are people with many more than that but um, yeah. i'm very thankful for every one of them and you know they're all i can look at a, a large group of people that all contributed to each and every one of those in one way or another um, so I'm very, very grateful to, to have them and, you know, no, no one ever wins an Emmy on their own. You know, it is a group effort. That I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, you can't host the show, do all this stuff without uh, the whole team, man. And, and, uh, you, you know, you must be a fantastic team player. You were, you know, working down in San Diego at KFMB TV for, you know, you were there for pretty much this whole part of the century up until, last year <laughs> what was the key to that longevity um wow what is, what is uh, again key? people around me um i was in a great situation there my producers were amazing um one of them todd villalobos he's still there we worked together the entire time um we were great friends we were great teammates we worked really really well together and we put out, uh, you know, really good content, 
covering the Chargers for all those years. Go and Chargers. people loved the Chargers <laughs> down in San Diego before they left. And, um, you know, the community embraced me there. And I loved that community and still do. And uh, it was, you know, it, it was a wonderful ride for a long time. And I'm just really grateful for my time there. And uh, I'll always cherish it. And, you know, it was it was wonderful. So I'm very, very grateful all for all the people. It was a great station. And, you know, we did good work. And uh, it, was, it was fun. But you're right, it was 22 years. And that, that's, a, that's a long time in this industry to be in one place. Oh, yeah, most definitely, man. <laughs> I applaud you for that. Uh, big time and uh, you know you brought up the Chargers uh, you know they came here I think it's like now their fourth season or if I'm not mistaken uh, if you were Dean Spanos uh, right now what would you do would you move them back to San Diego you know do you think they have the place here in LA what do you think yeah I mean well if I was Dean Spanos hmm, uh, you know <laughs> it, it, it's you know it's interesting. It's an interesting question just because when you're the owner of a franchise um, and when you're a fan of the franchise, it's, it's two completely different things. And, you know, the Spanos family uh, decided, you know, they wanted to move up here to LA because of what it would do for the bottom line. And, right. you know, the idea was, uh, you know, the, the value of that franchise was going to you know, significantly increase by a move to Los Angeles. And let's not forget, this was after many years of, you know, battling with the city of San Diego and trying to get a new uh, football stadium built there. They played in Qualcomm Stadium for a long time and, you know, it, it, it out, outlasted its usefulness. It was it was a dump. It just was. Yeah. And it, it's no longer. It's now been, you know, knocked to the ground and Snapdragon Stadium is about to begin its tenure with uh, San Diego State football coming up here in the fall. So, you know, there was, uh, you know, a lot of reasons behind that. Obviously, the people of San Diego um, were very, very upset about losing their football team as well. They should have been. They were loyal for so long to that franchise through the bad seasons and through the good seasons. And to see that uh, that franchise move, it was a real blow to the gut of all of those wonderful people in San Diego. So I understand their their anger um, toward the, the Spanos family and, and their anger in, in, in general towards just losing football. So now you're up here in L.A. And, and obviously, you know, it's tough to gain traction in L.A. And it's not just the Chargers. I mean, it's this is a Laker and a Dodger town. And that's just the way it's always going to be. And then, then behind that, you've got, you know, then you got, you know, Clippers and Rams and you've got Galaxy and LAFC and you've got the Sparks and, you know, on and on and on. You've got so many teams all vying for some attention and the chargers at the, at the very bottom of that list right now. So what do you do? Um, you, you try to continue to market yourself you try to put a good product on the field. And certainly with Justin Herbert, uh, the chargers are going in the right direction, but to answer your question, it's been a, sorry, a long uh, windup for the, for the answer, but you can't really move it to the team. You know, you can't move back to San Diego. I mean, first of all, there's, you know, they have uh, leases and contracts and agreements yeah. and, you know, they'd have a massive fine from the NFL. And so that, that's just not an option. It just, that just can't happen. Um, you know, there's, there's been some um, issues within the family, within the Spanos family and lawsuits between them and about over the trust and the ownership. And, um, you know, do, does the Spanos family sell the team at some point? Maybe it does. And then maybe down the road, I don't see the team going back there. I do wish and hope that San Diego eventually gets an NFL franchise in some 
way, shape, or form eventually because they deserve it. It's a great football town. People love football there. It's a perfect place to have a football team. Yeah. There's so much loyalty uh, towards the NFL there. And I certainly hope that they, um, they one day, as soon as possible, uh, get rewarded with another football team. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I hope uh, one day, maybe if the team doesn't get sold or maybe the leases or stuff like that do come up and they can move again. I mean, I do wish they go would go back to San Diego. I, I still mistakenly call them the San Diego Chargers. I, mean, I think <laughs> everyone catches themselves doing that at one point or another. It's like calling the Cleveland Indians, yeah. the, you know, Guardians. It's just the same thing. You're always going to kind of, you know, mistakenly uh, call them that and one or yeah, another. Yeah. Well, certainly the problem is, is that the, you know, the charges still exist, you know, at yeah. least with the, you know, the Cleveland guardians, that former team name, you know, it's no longer in existence. Exactly. The charges still exist. They just, uh, you know, they have a different city in front of the name now. Um, and who knows, you know, who knows Joseph side down in San Diego, right. Maybe uh, he takes some of his billions of dollars and, offers it up for the Chargers and then says, okay, I'm moving them uh, back to San Diego. Who knows? You never know what's going to happen. Uh, yeah, yeah exa exactly. Uh, man, it, the Chargers, the Rams, uh, you mentioned this is a Lakers in Dodgers town and, you know, exciting times for the Dodgers coming off a world series a few years ago and now hosting the all-star game. I, they, I guess it was supposed to be two years ago. They hosted it here. If I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm wrong. Correct. Yeah. 2020, the game was canceled because of the uh, the pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, get, getting it here to be a great time, I'm sure. And then, uh, you know, for the Rams winning a Super Bowl here, um, uh, the, the Lakers are in their own in their own uh, conundrum. What do you think happens with that Lakers situation with the uh, Westbrook, LeBron and all that? Oh, boy. If I knew that, you know, I'd, <laughs> uh, I'd be in Las Vegas right now. It's hard to tell. I mean, all the reports you hear continue yeah. to um, have Kyrie Irving, you know, included in some sort of a deal uh, to potentially have him come here and, and Westbrook go elsewhere. Now, where that is exactly, if there's some sort of a, uh, you know, a three-team opportunity for the San Antonio Spurs mentioned, um, you know, it's it's moving the money all around the room, and uh, you know, to uh, to have a team, you know, like the Nets potentially take on uh, a player like Russell Westbrook, you're going down in quality of player from from Kyrie Irving, and you're increasing the amount of salary you have to pay, right? So yeah, it's going to have to be some sort of a deal, you know, where that that money is worked out, and again, bringing another um, player, another team into the mix because the Lakers are so limited in what they have to offer as far as draft picks and things like that. And, you know, they've already given up so many of those. So it's, it, you know, it's a messy situation. It's a weird, uncomfortable situation. And the fans are kind of fed up with it here. And we saw what happened last year with uh, the kind of things that were said to Westbrook while he was playing. So um, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to, going to all work itself out, but uh, if the Lakers can somehow, rid themselves of that massive 47 million dollar contract and um and be able to get a, a player um that can help them win you know then uh then all the power to them i don't know what they do it's a interesting situation i mean maybe another team gets in the mix um some trades are still going to go down 
uh, so I was reading right before <laughs> right before DeAndre uh, Ayton signs the offer sheet with uh, Indiana, like four years, one thirty three, and then um, the Suns say they're going to match that offer. So it's going to be that would be something, wouldn't it? If they did, that would be something. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, with their owner, especially um, you know who's doesn't really like to spend the money. So I, I mean, the best thing is for them to offer, you know, do you know match that because you don't want to lose an asset. For you know nothing, right? That's what, that's what happened. And, uh, yeah, and you know what? One other thing I really uh, like that you do in your free time, uh, you're a you're a part time pilot. <laughs> How did you start getting into flying? <laughs> oh boy, I um I got into flying several years ago, many years ago. Um, it's something I'd always wanted to do. I the first time I lived in Los Angeles, I had a friend who he was. Uh, a floor director with CBS and he was a part-time pilot because his dad was a pilot and he would take me up and uh, he, he had a, he had a, um, a Cessna, I think it was a 172 Cessna and he would invite me to go flying with him. And um, you know, we would fly over to Catalina for lunch and I just thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing in the world. And we'd that like, cool. hey, go to lunch, Catalina. I'm like, okay. And we'd fly over there and, We'd have a hamburger and we'd fly back and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And he would let me take the yoke from time to time and, and fly. Um, and I just was I just thought the, the freedom of it was just unbelievable. And the views you get in a small aircraft And I always said one day I would do it. And then that day came. I was in San Diego and I one day I just woke up and said, OK, I be, keep talking about this. It's time to do it. So I sought out a flight instructor and uh uh, my flight instructor Lee and I became real good friends. We flew together a lot, and um, I worked toward my license. Uh, they call it a, a pilot certificate, and um, I was able to achieve that. And then just uh, enjoyed flying on my own, taking my friends out for that uh, that hundred dollar hamburger over at Catalina. They call it that because the, they call it that because of the gas that you spend to get there and back. Um, but, uh, I started doing that and, and really enjoyed it. In fact, one of, one of the proudest moments of my life was when my, my mom and dad came to visit me and I had achieved my, my pilot certificate and, uh, I took my mom and dad up uh, for a flight and, uh, my mom cried afterwards as she was just so proud that her, her son took her flying. So that was a great moment. That is cool. That's awesome. <laughs> Everyone gets to say, did you take them to Catalina? Uh, I did not. No, I just took them for a tour. We took them for a tour. I, I went down up and down the uh, San Diego coastline and, you know, went over some of the cool and went through downtown and flew them over Petco Park so they could look inside the ballpark from from the sky. And there's a lot of places you can go in a small aircraft that uh, commercial aircraft, you know, you, you you'll never see. You know, one, because you've got a tiny little window to your left or to your right. Um, but uh, it's small aircraft. You can fly fly anywhere. So it's cool. Uh, that's pretty neat another uh another neat thing you've uh, done you got to try on a super bowl ring Legarrett blunt super bowl ring <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i've i've tried on I, it's funny you say that because i was just thinking about this the other day because we had a guest come in the studio and um uh, david hunt he's the president of hunt auctions and they're doing a, a big memorabilia auction the day of the super bowl of day of sorry day of the all-star game here in, in la and he brought in all this really cool memorabilia that they're going to be auctioning off. And a couple of them were World Series rings. He had Pee Wee Reese's World Series ring, 1959. And nice. um, 
he had a couple of other rings as well. And it just made me think about all the different rings I've had a really cool opportunity to try on through the years. Um, because invariably in when you're at a big event, you've got athletes and they show up and they often take their rings out of the, you know, the case that they store them in at home and they wear them so they can show them off. And uh, yeah, that was, I believe at the NFC championship game between the Niners and the Rams and LeGarrette Blunt came over to say hello. And he, he, you know, gave me his uh, Patriots ring to try on, which was awesome. And, uh, but I've, I've seen many through the years and tried them all on and uh, jumped into Kevin Millar one time. Um, and he was wearing his 2004 World Series championship ring and he had me put it on and that was cool. That's um, neat, that's so, neat. Yeah, yeah, it's neat. It, it, they're all unique. It's fun to look at them because there's all these different inscriptions on them. If you look on the inside of the ring, there's engravings and, you know, it's usually a lot of meaning to how many diamonds or rubies or whatever in these rings. So they're really they're, they're pieces of art and they're worth, you know, ridiculous amounts of money. So it's always yeah. cool to look at one and be able to put it on your finger. Yeah, no, it's like the, for the first time ever, it was like about a week and a half ago. I was over at the, the Jonathan Club in downtown LA. My girlfriend works there and they had the uh, Ram Super Bowl trophy there and uh, yeah, got, yeah. got to get going in and uh, take a photo with it. It was uh, probably one of the coolest things I've uh, seen and done. I mean, with yeah, that's uh, it's it's neat that the Rams did that after they won it. They decided to do a tour of the Lombardi trophy all around LA County and brought it to a lot of different venues and people got a chance to, you know, pose with it and stuff like that. It's a cool trophy. Um, but I, I'll say this, not to one up you, and I don't mean to one up you, but oh, no, no. <laughs> um, my, my favorite, my favorite trophy, you know, that I've ever got a chance to hold, um, is the Stanley cup. I knew and, you say it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and having seen that numerous times, um, throughout the years, um, and, and one of the coolest ones was, um, several years ago when the, when the Pittsburgh Pirate Penguins won the Stanley cup. Um, and, um, they do their tour, you know, every player gets an opportunity to have the cup in his possession for at least 24 hours. And, um, and one of the players actually grew up in Scripps Ranch, which is a suburb of, of San Diego. And I live in Scripps Ranch and oh. his mom actually called me and let me know that it was going to be his day with the cup and they were going to have it at the house. And she said, would you like to come over? And I said, Sure. So I went over and got a chance to just like, you know, really spend time with the cup and looked at all the engravings on it. And it just was, just, it was like, wow, this is just the most awesome, awesome thing ever. And I've, I've had a chance to do that numerous times through the years. And there's nothing like this, the Stanley Cup, in my opinion. There's just, uh, there's a lot of great trophies out there, but the Stanley Cup is so unique. Did you take a drink out of the Stanley Cup? I did not. No, I've never drank it out of it. And I don't think I would knowing what things have been in that cup. I know they polish it and I know all that stuff, but uh, you know, I don't think so. Uh, oh man. I, I uh, know, I know you've watched a lot of sports and uh, this is kind of like the question we talked about earlier, like, Oh, you know, who's your favorite athlete? But uh what has been your favorite sports moment throughout your, I guess, life and career? You mean one I've witnessed on TV or one I've actually been, been there yeah, and been just, a part of? Just as a casual sports fan or, uh, you know, Red Sox fan, maybe it could be anything. Oh, 
Oh, uh, easy with the Red Sox fan thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I know. I won't uh, say that again. <laughs> All right. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding with you. I, I don't think it's any secret. People know that uh, I grew up, I grew up in Massachusetts and, you know, spent the first 17 years of my life there, but then, you know, obviously moved on to Syracuse and in New York and then down to Florida and Texas. And, and I've lived in California way longer than I ever lived anywhere else. Okay. So I've, I've been a Californian a long time now and obviously love the Southern California teams and, um, you know, have been so blessed to be a part of so many great moments here. But I mean, if, if you're just talking as a fan, you know, I don't think there's anything that could ever compare to having, you know, lived through, witnessed, watched uh, the 1980 Olympic hockey team um, winning the gold medal in in Lake Placid, New York. Um, you know, I, I witnessed it on, on TV, like many others on tape delay. But, uh, um, you know, I've had the chance to go to Lake Placid. I've been to Olympic Arena there. Um, I've, I've stood on the ice where that happened. Um, so I've, I've, you know, felt that aura of, of what it's like in that small town of Lake Placid. But there, there'll never be anything that I think will ever compare to that. The, the 1980 U.S. Olympic hockey team, the Miracle on Ice, uh, there'll be nothing that can, can top that. Um, but after that, you know, that being said, I mean, I've been so blessed. I've been to so many Super Bowls. Um, you know, uh, and, and they're all amazing, but I think seeing like the moment I was, I was in Arizona when the Patriots beat Seattle on that, you know, that play, you know, Malcolm the Butler. Yeah. The, end of the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And to see that, to witness that in person, to see that happen, such an improbable thing happen at the end of a Super Bowl, um, was incredible. You know, that was that was amazing. But to all the World Series games I've been to and, and All-Star games and Stanley Cup games and NBA Finals games, it's it's hard to to really um, pick any one of them that, that stands out. I mean, heck, I, I think of a moment, you know, one moment that was so cool for me personally was being down in San Diego and being at Qualcomm Stadium when LaDainian Tomlinson broke the uh, single season touch touchdowns record and I was against the Broncos and I was standing right in the corner of the end zone where he ran into the end zone for that touchdown and then all of his teammates picked him up on their shoulders and I'm standing right there looking up at LT and you know the celebration and the place is going nuts and I just remember how cool of a moment that was because I was so close to it I was literally feet away from where that was happening and as soon as that game ended, we do a post-game show. We always did a, a big post-game show because we were the Chargers station at CBS. And as soon as it was over, LT came right over to me. And I did, you know, live on, on, on our post-game show, a live interview with him, the very first interview after he had just broken the single season touchdown record. So it was just an incredible moment for me personally and professionally to witness that moment and to be such a part of it. Oh, man. And, and what a season. I mean, I mean, we've had a lot of incredible seasons since then, but God, that one still stands out. That was 2006. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and one of the cool things about, you know, doing local television, and, you know, this always going to be a debate as a, when you're a broadcaster, you know, do you want to do local TV, stay in a local market, cover the local teams? Do you want to go and, you know, be national and be traveling around the world and covering things on a more national level? 
But on a local level, the one thing I'll say about it that's amazing is that you get to know these players on a very personal level because you're covering them every day. So with a guy like Ladanian Tomlinson, a Hall of Famer, to see his entire career so close up and to be at every single one of those games and to be at all of those practices and, and be down there at, uh, at Chargers Park, as they used to call it, um, interviewing him weekly and, and to then to witness that and to be a part of it and, and, and to know someone personally like that. And all of the guys that I knew in San Diego, you know, Eric Weddle and covering his entire career and, uh. and, um, and Philip Rivers and, you know, Vincent Jackson, you know, uh, you know, so sad that he passed away recently, but to, to see all of their careers so up close and personal was really very special. Yeah. Now you mentioned I'm Philip Rivers and I think, nine kids or if I'm not mistaken, or maybe more, I don't know, but, uh, man, I know he was, a uh, sad to, <laughs> to leave. Nine, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh no, yeah. Phil Rivers was an incredible charger. I remember, uh, when they let Drew Brees walk and, you know, you had this guy come in and, uh, you know, I, I, he sure filled the void. I mean, Brees might've had a better career, but Rivers was not a bad, uh, takeover quarterback right after that yeah well let's let's not forget that they didn't just let drew walk i mean he had torn his labrum on the last play of that season and there was no guarantee that drew Brees was ever going to throw a football again so that you know letting him walk and, and and let's also not forget the next part of the story that uh he went and tried out for the the dolphins and the dolphins team doctor suggested that they did not sign him because he had great concerns about that torn labrum. And then he went to the saints and became a hall of famer. So, um, you know, the guy that feels worse in this whole scenario was that dolphins team doctor that told the team that in his recommendation, they should not sign him. Uh, I, I didn't actually know that part about the, the dolphins. Yeah. That could have changed the whole course of history right there. If Drew Brees had signed with the dolphins. Yeah, because you had uh, Tom Brady and uh, Drew Brees in the same division for the next <laughs> decade. <laughs> yeah. uh, man. Hey, uh, Kyle, you've been great, and I, you've been so uh, gracious with your time today. Uh, I just got one more question uh, for you. For, for anyone looking to break into sports, which, you know, it's a very competitive industry, what kind of advice do you have for them? Wow. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it's a different industry than it was when I started, you know, the number of, of television stations in every market and the number of outlets and whether it be, uh, you know, in broadcast TV or whether it be online or on apps or whatever, there's, there's so much out there. I would say this, um, you know, never, ever let anyone tell you that you can't in in this industry as big as it is and as competitive as it is uh don't be discouraged because i remember when i was at syracuse and they said you know you really shouldn't focus exclusively on sports because there's far more opportunities in the world of news than just sports because you think about it, in every market there's only three tv stations and there's only you know two sportscasters at each station and I just remember saying, you know, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it. So believe in yourself, um, be passionate about your craft and just work really hard at, at, at getting really good and seek out the advice of others 
you'd be surprised. You know, I, I, I hear from people all the time and people email me or reach out, you know, on LinkedIn and ask, you know, can you please look at my reel or, you know, can we get on the phone? Can we chat? And many people in this industry are, are very, very willing to, to offer advice to people just beginning because we were all there once. And we got that advice from others that helped us. And then you you want to pay it forward. At least most people do. So be, if you are passionate about doing this for a living, don't let anyone discourage you. Seek out the advice and help of others and just 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 work your butt off um, until you achieve what what you set out to achieve. And, and you will get there. You just got to believe that you will because because no one will ever believe in you as much as you. You've got to be your biggest cheerleader. And if you want it bad enough, you'll make it happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, you were very gracious to come on this interview. When I reached out to you, uh, you know, I know everyone could easily not look at it and stuff, but you are, you know, uh, you know, very kind to come on. And I appreciate your time today. Uh, thank you so much. Well, it's been fun, Brian. Thanks for asking. And uh, best of luck to you. I hope you guys all enjoyed that episode with Kyle. Guy is a rock star and he gave us a great piece of advice at the end. If you are dying to get into sports or maybe maybe any industry and you know that kind of spoke to you, keep keep it up. If there's something that is really you know scratching that itch and you're so close to the finish line and getting to where you want to be, keep going after it. Sometimes that piece of advice is uh, it goes a long way, especially hearing it from someone in a powerful position. Kyle was nothing short of greatness here and in his whole career. And uh, I can't wait to see him covering the All-Star Game and uh, seeing the, him succeed even more. Hope you guys all enjoyed this interview of the show. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your fellow sports fans. I'll see you next time.